all of you who have been faithful to turn your clocks in the right direction. Now, the one back here hasn't turned at all, so I figure, oh, man, I don't know. I'm just going to keep going till you all fall asleep. Well, we've been looking at just the first few verses in Second Peter, um, and last week we only got through verses 1, 2, 3, and 4, and this week I hope to get through 5 through 11. Um, and the title of... Uh, this week's uh, this series is um, Life and Godliness. This thing is going to fall off. We'll try it that way. Sorry. Life and Godliness. Zoe. Life. Not bio. Bio in the Greek has to do with clothing and food the things that sustain us in our everyday life. But the word that's used here is Zoe. God has given us everything pertaining to Zoe, that, that intimate relationship we can have with the author of life, uh, that vitality. And he's also said that he's given us everything pertaining to godliness, and that term means to, to uh, uh, worship rightly directed. And so if we think of him as the one who is worthy of all worship, then our lives are directed in that direction. And he said, I provided you with all of that. One of the first things that we talked about last week, and we're going to do just a very quick review of last week, um, but uh, the scripture said, seeing that, See, and he's provided us with eyes to see and ears to hear. And so the scripture says uh, in Matthew 13, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired, desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. He has provided us with eyes to see. And sometimes we have to say, Lord, open my eyes. Open the eyes of my heart that I can see. Do you remember the, 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 uh, the disciples were arguing over who brought the bread? Where's the bread? I don't know. You were supposed to bring the bread. And he had just, he had just multiplied the bread for 4,000. And he said to them, don't you see? Don't you understand? Don't you listen? God has opened the door and made us those who can see where others can't. Everything. 2 Peter 1.4 says, Whereby are given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He's made us partakers of the divine nature. And I don't, sometimes I think to myself, I'm so fleshly sometimes, I've got to remind myself that my life has been turned around. I'm no longer 
one who is subject to the corruption and the lust of this world. But I have been given, I've been granted, I have been bestowed upon me things that pertain to life. And I've been united with him that I might be a partaker of him, his nature. And I talked about some of those last week. I don't have them up again, but some of those I talked about, especially what those are that are in Hebrews or in Ephesians 1, where Paul says, we've been given all of these spiritual blessings. And it all begins with, with well, why you were born again. Peter, in his first epistle, writes, you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and abiding word of God. You are a new creature. You have new life given to you. And he's given you everything that pertains to that. His love, and there it is, his love, uh, his grace, redemption, forgiveness, He's revealed things to us. We've been given an inheritance. We've been sealed with his spirit. And those are all, uh, the left-hand column there are those things that are presented in, in Ephesians. And the second column are things that I can think of that he provided me. I'm free. I have peace. He said, my joy I give to you. Hope. He's given us a new heart. We stand in victory. He's placed us entirely in a new world, a world of the church, a world where we see things differently. And he's given us gifts. And as partakers, and we moved through these pretty quickly last week, but our lives are different. We eat differently, we drink differently, we think differently, we act differently, and so on and so on. And uh, I put those on poorly, I might add, put those on Facebook. So if you want to look at the specific references, you'll have to go and hunt those out. But uh, there they are. Now, verses 1 through 4 tell us what God has done for us. But 5 through 11 have a change in focus. And it says, basically, since you've been given all these things, here's how you need to respond. And it might get a little bitey. I didn't write it. Peter did. So when you see him, talk to him about it. But it talks about the effort we are to make leading to that intimate relationship with God. And so the title of today's message is Giving All Diligence. And so 1 Peter 1.5 begins... Now, for this very reason also, and you have to stop, and, and as you recall, last week I talked about there'd be a lot of on-ramps and off-ramps, and sometimes I'm going to go right past the exit. Don't worry about it. It's just where I'm going, but here I have to stop for this very reason. What reason? For this very reason. Well, the in verses 1 through 4, this is everything God has done for you. He's made you a partaker of his divine nature. He's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. He's opened your eyes so that you're no longer blind. And for this reason, 
You are to apply diligence. Well, yeah. What's diligence? Well, diligence by definition means a persistent application to study or occupation, or it means attentive care, or it means painstaking effort. Now, my first encounter with that word um, due diligence was not in a church setting. I was the principal of a building, and in the building, uh, in those days, there were a lot of asbestos, and one of the ways that you did away with asbestos it was called encapsulating, which they would basically come in and spray uh, material over anything that was asbestos rather than removing it. And for a lot of the parents who had kids that went to that school, they were not pleased with that particular process. And I was told by the attorney, said, you, you need to give this due diligence. I said, okay. What's due diligence? Um, and he said, well, you need to regularly have people come in and check the air quality, and you need to record that. And you need to regularly have the company that encapsulated it come back and make sure that things are okay. You need to record all of that. You need to pay attention to it on a regular basis. Don't let it slide. Because the second you let it slide, that's when trouble can happen. And so we are told to apply diligence, painstaking effort. Don't go to sleep on this. This is not a casual approach. And there's a reason for it, because you've been given all of these things. So apply diligence. Now, we started this year with Jeremiah 29, 13, 14, with, uh, when uh, Judah was talking about your heart. And I just wanted to bring this particular scripture back up to remind you. It says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with due diligence. With all your heart. You'll find me, but it's not a casual looking. It's not a quick glance. It's a diligence with all your heart. And then, and then, I'll be found by you, says the Lord. So, this term diligence is actually pretty prevalent throughout the scriptures. Romans 12 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Don't lag behind in being diligent. Ooh. Be fervent in spirit. You serve the Lord. These are encourages, encouragements. He says, don't, don't get behind in diligence because then you'll go to sleep. Proverbs talks about a diligent man. It says, a slothful man does not roast his prey, but the precious possession of a man is diligence. Now, who would have thought that? Who would have thought that being diligent is a precious commodity? But it is. It's something that you should not lag behind in. It's something that you should say, I want to set diligence before me. 
Proverbs also say, and the soul of a sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. See, with diligence, there is perseverance. There is self-control. There are those attributes that show, I am hot after. My heart is seeking you, Lord. And he says, ah, you are. Then I'll tell you something. I'll show you something that hasn't, that's been hidden. I'll teach you something. Hebrews 6. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, and that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Don't be a slug. I mean, you all know what a slug is. I bet none of you have a pet slug. I bet none of you have ever said, oh, I just wish I would be a slug. I love my slug. See, if you're diligent, what do you spend your time on? What do you find worth? What do you give yourself to? Well, oh, this is, don't, this is Bob. Watch out. Donovan, pay attention. Facebook! I love Facebook. I give all my time to Facebook. Do you know how many, you know how many posts I need to answer every day? 500. How do I answer 500? Well, I give my time to it. Oh, did you know the price is right is on at 11 o'clock every day? I'm going to give myself the price is right. Don't be sluggish. Second Timothy 2.15 encourages us. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. Be diligent. You know, you've been given access to him. We have the freedom to come before the throne of God because of the cross and because we are partakers in his nature. He's given us everything. We can come before him. Be diligent. And I, I can't define that diligence for you, but I can define it for me. And it does mean, hey, some of the things you are doing are sluggish. I mean, you know, you're sleeping for 16 hours a day, I'd say, that's pretty slug. I'm not really, okay? But I don't know. God will speak to you. Where, what, what are, you, are you being diligent to show yourself approved? And I particularly liked um, Joshua, before we changed tone, for the Lord has driven out great and strong nations from before you. You know, when we read this, we picture Joshua and we picture the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Gibeonites and all of those ites that have been driven out before him. 
but we've had things driven out before us. God has driven things out. We heard that there was a request. God said, spoke to someone today, said, this, I'm driving this out. Don't go back to it. Don't look to the darkness, look to the light. Be diligent. For I have driven out strong nations from before you. And as for you, no man has stood before you this day. One of your men puts to flight a thousand for the Lord and your God, and he is who fights for you, just as he has promised you. You have great, precious promises. He's given you everything pertaining to life and godliness. And so, take diligence. Take it. Think about it. Use it. Apply it. It's not casual. It's painstaking. It requires effort. Be diligent. Heed to yourself to love the Lord your God. I love you, Lord. I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to learn of you. Oh, I see you're seeking me, Lord, son. I'm going to show you things. I'll show you things that have been hidden. I'll show you things in your life because you're mine. Well, 2 Peter then 5 says, For this reason also apply all diligence. And then he says, In your faith. Now, believe me, I, I've decided that I cannot and should not take this time to talk about faith. It requires a, whole, a number of lessons just to begin to get to the surface of it. But I want to go back to 1.1, one, one, which we skipped last week. And it says, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. You've received a faith. And many believe that 2 Peter is writing to the Gentiles in Asia Minor. And he's saying to them, hey, you've gotten the same kind of faith that I have. And he's saying to us, hey, you, you Gentiles, you have the same kind of faith as I do. You've received it. It's not as if you have to get it. It's been granted to you. It's been promised to you. And you know how I know? Because they talk about it, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But we have to talk about the kingdom first. And then I first, uh, during the pandemic, I did a 15-minute special on that and I just want to pick up some of it yet because faith is so important. See, when we look at this world, what is the currency of this world? Money. Money. I like money. Well, Luke 14 Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he says, Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all these things, and they were scoffing at him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men. But God knows your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. See, God has an entirely different value system than this world. In this world, 
What do we value? What, do, what does the word value? What does the world value? Power? Money? Prestige? Status? Oh, you're the president of this corporation. Hmm, I'm going to pay attention to everything you say. And so that's a worldly, and God says, that's not my value system. Now, I give you this example. I don't <clears throat> if you go to England, your U.S. dollar will not be very good. Because you will need to exchange it for what the English value, and it's called, they value the pound. And so, just imagine I've been to England, and I've come back, and I traded my dollars for some pounds, and I'm going to Walmart, and I have a five-pound note. And I'm going through, and I say, hey, I'm paying for all of my stuff with this five-pound note. And the clerk's going to look at it, and the clerk's going to say, what is that? What's a five? It's worth five pounds. Are you giving me Monopoly money? I, I need U.S. dollars because that's what we value. But this, is, this has got value. Not here it doesn't. So... Either you give me U.S. dollars, you come into my value system, or hit the road, Jack. And God says, I have a value system entirely different than this world. Stop valuing the things of this world and start valuing the things of the kingdom. Wow. Wow, I don't, I don't know. But that's what God sees as important. You mean I have to love my enemies? Oh, you talk about a value system change. Yeah. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Whoa, whoa. No. Get and get more. That's our system. That's not God's system. And so. Psalm 19 tells us a little bit about that. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, more than fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Listen, oh, this is church, so this is going to be dangerous, okay? But if I put before you a pound of gold, real gold, and I laid it right there. Oh, and I took and I laid on the other side a Bible. Oh, that's an easy decision because here I am in church. I'm going to go for, uh-huh, what are you really going to go for? 
See, sometimes we're faced with that. Are these, is his word, do we value that more than gold and fine silver and status and power and money? Because it's a different value system. And God says, I, I, I know you have needs of these things. I know you have things of, you need food and you need clothing and you have needs. But you know what? I want you to go someplace first. I want you to diligently seek first the kingdom. That'll all be added. But I, I, your heart needs to be diligent, searching after me, not casual. hot after him. Oh, that's who. So, do not seek what you shall eat and what you shall drink and not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you need these things. Seek first his kingdom and these things will be added. So, when we come back to Peter writing, and in faith, and you've received a faith of the same kind as mine, God's currency is faith. Oh, now, Bob, yeah, you're stretching it. Well, let me say, first of all, that Romans 14, 23 says that whatever's not of faith is sin. So faith has got to be pretty important. And the Hebrew, uh, the King James Version in Hebrews 11 says, now, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Ooh, I must need faith. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those King James who diligently seek him. And again, we cannot be casual lookers. We must be diligent in seeking after him. And you say to yourself, Oh, what faith do I have? I mean, really. I've said to that mountain a hundred times, be moved, and it's still there. The God who has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. He says, for though the, through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. See, when Peter writes, to the same faith I've received, God has given you faith. He's given you a measure of faith. Don't judge my level of faith with your level of faith because that's not what God's doing. He has given you a measure of faith. And he says it in Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works. It's a gift. You have faith. So in faith, and now I'm going to skip a bunch of scriptures about faith, but the scripture has shut up all men under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Oh, wait a minute. There's a faith that's been given to me that I may believe in Jesus Christ and I may follow after him and I have me eyes to see and I may, I may be partaking of this divine. Oh, he's given me all that. Let me be diligent. 
Just as the body without the spirit is dead, so is faith without works. Wow. Now we're starting to put something in here in this in faith. Add to. And so really when we look at faith, it's we're to grow in it, to live in it, and to demonstrate it. And that's a whole, we need to get off the exit and go through all of that. We're not going to do that, but I just wanted to make sure you understand that when we start talking about faith, you have a measure of faith, and you are to grow in it, you are to live in it, and you are to demonstrate it because it's a gift. So Peter goes on. In your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. And those are technically called Christian virtues. They are evidences that you are diligently seeking after him. Christian virtue, by definition, is the habitual capacity of a person to respond freely and consciously to situations in a manner that reflects and intensifies his conformity to Jesus Christ. What's that saying? Act like Jesus. Behave like Jesus. Think like Jesus. Be like Jesus. And these things... Your moral excellence, your knowledge, your self-control, your perseverance, your godliness, brotherly kindness. They will develop just as we walk in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit develops in our lives. So, Peter goes on. For he who lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For who, if you lack these things? Well, what are we talking about lacking these things? Are you blind? Do you not see? And that's what Peter is saying here. <laughs> are you blind? Has blindness overtaken you when you've been given eyes to see? Or are you short-sighted? And by that, there's a definition that says, oh, I can only see what's before me. I can only see that I have no bread. Or I can only see the circumstances that are facing me. All of those bills, all of those relationships, all of those situations, that my work, my school, my car. Ah! <laughs> and you can't see beyond that. You're short-sighted. And God says, don't, no, 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 no. Don't be blind or short-sighted because you're going to forget what God has given to you in verses 1 through 4. Having forgotten, and we are like the man. You remember that from James last week. The man looks in the mirror, and he sees who he is. And the scripture says, and right away, he walks away and forgets what manner of man he is. You've got to look intently. You have got to be diligent in seeing what God has for you. 
Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you won't stumble. Practice these things. Be alert to them. Be attentive to them. Be diligent. Saying, Lord, there is only one thing I want, and I want to know you. And you have opened the door for me to walk into that. For by this way, Peter closes, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied. If you are seeking this, I'm going to pour out to you more and more and more. Don't go to sleep. Don't just look at it from a very casual perspective. Don't glance at it. Don't just catch it out of your peripheral vision. Look at it intensely. So, having been given everything to pretend, pertaining to God and life, what now? Well, Timothy says, take pains with these things. Take pains? Yeah, don't be casual. Painstaking, diligent. Be diligent with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself. Pay close attention to the teaching you hear and how you are teaching others who see you. You know, sometimes our behavior at the workplace or at school or even in, in, uh, in social settings tell a lot about where we're at. Pay close attention to yourself and your teaching. Preserve, persevere in these things for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both to yourself and those who hear you. So, that's not as if I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but one thing Paul writes, I press on in order that I can be diligent to lay hold of those things which God has laid hold of me for. I put this paraphrase in just to sort of reflect on the last two weeks. And so... I'll read through that. I really see that he has granted me everything that pertains to a God life now. Because of such provisions, I can eat and live in his very divine nature. However, I must take painstaking effort in the faith that he has granted to me to reflect his life by cultivating an accumulation godly virtues. If I fail to do this, it's as if I'm blind or useless and have forgotten what he has provided for me with, to be fruitful and to know him. The series has just been based on 2 Peter the first chapter, verses 1 through 11. 
And it's a reminder to us that in divine pursuit, God has given to us so much. We are rich beyond what we know or think because he has given to us exceedingly abundantly above all that we could really think or ask. And out of that, out of that, let us respond to him. Say, Lord, I want to be in hot pursuit of you. I want to look to you as the author and the perfecter of my faith. I want to be diligent to love you. I want to be diligent to have an ear that hears and responds. The Shema. The Shema of life. And, you know, he's given you to hear and he's given you eyes to see. Oh, man, what excuse do you have? I have no excuse for you provided me with everything. And I can joy in that and I can have peace in that and I can run after you. And it's not as if I've obtained. I didn't. I got a long way to go. But I, one thing I do, I press on. And wherever you're at, press on. Be diligent to press on. I encourage you, be diligent. Press on. He has things to show you, places to take you, things to give you, that you may be abundantly supplied with all the things that you need, especially those things that pertain to life in him because he's worthy of my right worship. Amen? Amen. Amen.